welcome to Bathroom Mirror Teachings. Um, as we all know, there's a lot going on in the world today. A lot. And originally I wanted to just sit back and just continue my observation to the whole thing and, and not say anything. But at the end of the day, Somebody posted the video. And when I say the video, you know what I'm talking about. All I saw was the thumbnail. And I refused to watch it. The very fact of seeing the thumbnail created a level of anxiety within me. And I said, mm -mm. it's the same reason why I didn't watch 12 Years a Slave. The reason why I've never watched Roots, I cannot see those images because it is just, it hurts on a different level altogether. But I digress. So I want to share with you, because everybody's got an opinion about it. I have an opinion too. I have observations and I have just certain things that we can do to uh, help each other. Um through this whole situation. So let's get to it. Well, you know, it was over some 150 years ago that our ancestors fought for their freedom. Some of our ancestors took their freedom and some helped others take their freedom. But that is literally what they got, literally. So when William Wilberforce was pleading our case for freedom in the British law courts, something very interesting happened. Do you know what that is? We won our freedom. We were liberated. Yay! To die. To die. Why do I say that? Because if you look back, you will see that after slaves gained their freedom... They did not have food, shelter, clothing, no medical care, no education, no respite, no healing. But we were free. Fancy the English language, huh? It is very, what's the word I want to say? Uh, quite deceiving. Because if you're not specific... I guess you can't be more specific than free. But if you are in a position to be deceitful, then that's why those newly freed slaves had to go back to their old slave masters. Who didn't pay them, by the way, for coming back? They had to go back and work for free. And the slave owner would give them loans. And they would say to them, well, you know, sharecropping, you continue working the land, we'll loan you all the money for the equipment. And at the end of the year, whatever you owe us, we'll take. Well, at the end of every year, the slave always owed money. Fancy that, right? Um, but that's, that's a little bit of the undercurrent, the, the, the history of it here. It's... We were never written into the Constitution. When, when America ha created her Constitution, I'm pretty sure we were still slaves. Well, I say we because that's our ancestry. And 
according to history, Barbados was the first slave stop in the New World. And the boat that they came in on, Jesus Christ. That wasn't literally, that was the name of the boat. Um, and then every other plantation was modeled after Barbados. And the slaves in Barbados had a three to five year shelf life. Like they die. And Dr. Joyce DeGruy, you could look her up. She did some extensive research and a lot of the the bodies that they exhumed she said that when these bodies were examined, muscle had separated from bone. Do you know how much force you have to use to separate muscle from bone? A whole heck of a lot. Okay, so that was the history. That was then, right? That was then. But today... During these tumultuous times, we are again faced with what is it that we require? Because everything's on fire right now. So what is it that we want? Learn from our ancestors and be very specific. Or we run the risk of being left out in the cold again with unmet needs. We must understand, and I will say this again, that when most colonial oppressors wrote their constitutions, they did not write them with their slaves in mind. At one point, the slave was considered to be a soulless beast of burden. So do you write about the treatment of your horse, the treatment of your cow in your constitution? No, but in your last will and testament, you say who you want to leave your horse, your cow, your livestock too. And that's what they did. This is why slaves were passed down from generation to generation. Right? Um, right now, the best thing to do is to take what is rightfully yours. You cannot ask for permission to be free. It only matters if we take our energies and focus them on ourselves. Now, since I mentioned energies, I want to address the law of attraction. Now, according to the law of attraction, we attract into our lives that which we are. Alan Watts said it. Neville Goddard said it. As a man believes in his heart, therefore he is. Abraham Hicks via Esther Hicks, also says that if you are on the same vibrational frequency as something, then you bring it to you. Also, I mean, I, I follow some spiritual people, you know, on Instagram and such. They talk about how we should raise our vibration and not engage in lower vibrational behavior. I saw that one today on Dr. Bruce Lipton's page, and it gave me pause. Now, this law of attraction narrative, you got to understand, I I follow it too, but this particular part doesn't quite resonate with me because at no time did my ancestors, you know, sit under a tree and say, man, let's, let's take a vote. I would like to try slavery. You know, I, I want to give being brutalized a try. Are you in? We can take a vote. Let, let's do this. Let, let's do it. Did the Jews bring about their own extermination? They attracted that to themselves? I'll tell you what I understand from observation. 
if people are in an environment that constantly provokes them into a state of fight or flight, it becomes rather challenging to raise one's vibration. I think some people can transcend their environment. Like the closest um, example I have of that is my grandfather. He was pulled out of school at the age of eight so that he could work on the plantation to support his mother and siblings. To work where? On the plantation. <laughs> um, but when he was talking to me, when I was a little girl, he would always tap himself on the temples and, and he would say, you know, I made up my mind that I was not going to be like the men in my neighborhood. I wasn't going to drink. I'm not going to gamble or be an abusive person. And you know what? He, I never saw him drink. I never heard him argue with my grandmother, except for one time when he was working in the States as what? A field hand for 15 years. And he would send home money and tell her which plots of land to buy. Because he was saving up to buy like a couple acres so that, you know, the entire family could live together on this mass acreage. But my grandmother, well, she gave it to my uncle. And what did he do? He was a gambler. And that is what made my grandfather cut my grandmother off. He said, you've got grown children. Let them feed you. Not because he was trying to be spiteful or mean, but because... He needed to provide for all seven of his children. And he wanted to make sure that he gave them an opportunity that they would not have to share crop the way he did. And that's what he stuck to. And she didn't go hungry at all. She didn't. Right? He was my role model. And I saw how he had a, a determination and the will, but the belief in himself. And to this day, it inspires me. He inspires me. But alas, my fear of rejection still lingers. But that's another podcast. So moving on. How can you see and feel your inner self if you're constantly focused on survival. The survival instinct overrides any kind of spiritual journey. Think about it. You're running for your life. You're in fear. The last thing on your mind is, oh, let me stop and meditate or pray. Uh, no, that's not in the forefront of your mind at all. The external pressure hasn't let up. And it is said that why we as a black community tend to have a crabs in a barrel mentality. Well, let me say this right now. Stop that narrative. We are not crabs in a barrel. I've been hearing that term. I used to say that term. Right? Crabs in a barrel. Think about this. Our current environment fosters and promotes competition. Pulling one another down to get a leg up on the other. Crabs in a barrel. What do we say? Competition is good for the economy. What? Well, if competition is good for the economy, what does that make us? Gladiators. 
But didn't gladiators fight to the death to entertain? Who is this competition entertaining? I think that's the bigger question. Who are we entertaining? We have banks right now charging penalties to people who don't have a choice but to break their fixed mortgages to get out of them to sell their places. One one family was charged $30,000. And had she not come forward to the news to voice it, she may still be stuck paying that $30,000. So they reduced it down, I think. I, I'm not 100% sure if they reduced hers or not, but they may have because of the public outcry. Um, it's like, The environment right now is squeezing and applying pressure to people. Who controls the environment that's outside of you? See, and this is why that law of attraction narrative does not resonate with me right here, right now to a certain degree. Because all of us on this entire planet are in lockdown. So as a collective, did we bring it upon ourselves? Or was there something else going on? Right? Now, this is where we have to make a conscious decision. But sometimes that conscious decision can be hard or challenging to make because of the external stimulus which is going on right now. Just imagine how the people who are, you know, they can still pay their bills, but they're worried. They're stressed out. Imagine what the disenfranchised feel like. They're not worried about not paying bills. They're worried about, oh my God, I can't eat. I can't feed my children. I, I, what am I going to do? Right? Now think about this. We're going to get a little religious. If you had two children and you, you treated one better than the other, you know, you compared them, and you, you know, you pit one against the other. Well, I prefer this child over you. You know, oh, they got better grades. They're a better person than you. (laughs) Now, would it surprise you when the child who is neglected and lashes out from a place of frustration, jealousy, and not being heard? Well, let me tell you who did that first. God did that first. With Cain and Abel. Eh, That's another podcast. You know, I read on someone's wall that they write songs for a jealous God. So God tells you not to be jealous, but it's okay for him to be jealous? (laughs) Do we really understand what we're reading and listening to when we read that God will destroy and punish lawlessness? I read that on somebody's um, Facebook post. God will destroy and punish lawless behavior, all this looting and rioting. And I thought to myself, wait, what? But aren't most black folks Christian? Which I might add, we learned at the end of a whip. (laughs) Because rioting is going on. God's going to punish the rioters. Well, God condoned slavery, ordained it. Yet, when the Haitian slaves revolted and killed their captors, 
The rest of the Western world called the Haitians savages. What behaviors did you think would come from an environment of brutality and oppression? But yet we, we want to gasp and clutch our pearls in surprise? Then we have the audacity to punish and condemn the very behavior that our environment fosters. Hmm. You know, it is the environment. Change the environment and the behaviors will change to match. I learned that um, when I was in Chinese medicine school. Our professor said, you know, you've got this little room and it's closed up and it's dark. And you go inside the room one day and there's something growing in the corner. And you dig it out and you throw it away. But then you come back and it's, it's come back. And you do this three or four times and every time you come back in, that thing is still festering in the corner. And you know what my professor said? My professor said, you must change the environment. Open the windows. Open the doors. So that when you uproot the thing, the environment is no longer favorable for it to come back. So then let me ask that question again. <laughs> Who's in charge of the external environment? Who's creating the pressure? Why are we in a lockdown? Where is that coming from? Did we bring that upon ourselves? Because I'm sure some of us have a very high vibration, but yet we are all in it. And somebody said, oh, be in the world, but not of it. You see, when we start throwing about scripture, believe me, I understand because I, you can't know more scripture than me. Well, maybe you could because I've walked away from that because of the contradictions within it. But if we are throwing about these scriptures without having an understanding. That's why I ask again, who is in control of the environment? Right? The external environment. Well, it's like bacteria. Like I learned again in school, bacteria is bacteria is bacteria. But it is the environment that you put them in that will create either friend or foe, life or death. Now, I've preached and rambled enough. So here are some practical steps to take in our everyday lives to help us lower our stress because we can't. Control the external. And you know, people say, well, in order to control the external, you've got to have control over the internal. Really? Because evidence would suggest that 7 billion people on this planet did not say, well, we want to be in a pandemic. We want to be in a lockdown. We want to grind the economy to a halt so that many of us can go bankrupt and lose our homes. Hmm. 
I am sure that 7 billion of us did not internally do that so that it created the external. So this is why I say we can't always repeat the rhetoric or repeat the narrative, but one must observe. One must observe. Instead of judging and saying, well, I'm not going to partake in negative energies. I'm not going to partake in negative energy. I'm not going to lower my vibration. Really? <laughs> really, really? You think that's what we're doing? <laughs> let me, let me move on. Let me move on. I am looking at this from a situation of pure observation. And let me say, there's a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy and understanding here. But yet I want to be practical because I realize that we cannot stay in a state of fight or flight. It is one thing to look at somebody who is suffering and, and in pain. And not offer soothing to them. And by soothing, I don't mean pull up your bootstraps. Stop your, your, your riotous behavior. Stop your looting. Stop your violence. Stop this madness. That does not soothe. That is not a balm to an open wound. In my opinion, to pour a soothing balm is to teach someone how to reduce their own stress, right? Because that's what we've got the control over. How do we go from fight or flight to a state of calmness so that we can facilitate healing? How do we get there? What can we do to get there? Well, I can only teach you what I do on a daily basis. And, and do I get it right all the time? <laughs> no, because some days I want to shake some people. But I don't want to go to prison. I have an 11-year-old to raise. So I come back to the drawing board and I say, okay, what can I do to help myself? And there's a reason why I keep saying this podcast was called Bathroom Mirror Teachings because one day I was, I'm pretty sure I was brushing my teeth in the mirror, I think, but either way, I was looking in the mirror. Couldn't have been putting on makeup because I don't wear makeup. I don't have the patience. I've tried to apply eyeliner and poked myself numerous times and said, forget it. This is not for me. So no. And I was looking into my eyes and then I saw something. And at first it tripped me out because I'm like, wait, what? What's this? <laughs> well, I'm looking into the mirror and I'm seeing my physical reflection. But something was looking out of my eyes. And I, you see, I've always talked to myself. You know, people say, oh, you got to be crazy. That's your first sign of craziness. And you're talking to yourself. But it's not so bad. But if you start to answer yourself, you're even more crazy. You know what? Lies. If you don't know the sound 
of your inner self. What, well, what are you going to do? You must learn the sound of your inner self. It's like pregnant women. They talk all the time. Their baby hears their voice and knows their voice. So when they're born and they hear that voice, it does what? It soothes and it comforts. Nobody came along and said, this is your mother. They knew because they heard it from the inside. You understand? So here are a few things. Spend five minutes staring into your eyes in the mirror. And I just told you why. So you can see what is looking back at you. And every day before you leave your house to, to interact with the rest of the world, you tell yourself, you know what? Today I'm going to wreck. I want to recognize one, tr one trigger, something that triggers me, that causes me to respond unfavorably. I want to recognize that trigger, right? And then you ask yourself, show me a better way to do a particular activity. Perhaps, because I know for me, I equate this to going to work and stuff like that. But when I always ask myself, you, you show me a better way, it could be something as simple as, Show me a way to get to this location, the path of least resistance. Show me the easy way to do that. And if you pay attention, you'll hear it. Now, for those of you who may or may not say, yeah, but what if that voice in your head is telling you to do something that's not very nice? Well, you don't live on this planet by yourself, right? So listen, and the, this is why I say listen and ask your inner self. Now, I learned something from my son, very valuable. When my son wants something like PlayStation money, Mama, can I have some PlayStation money? When he comes and he asks me that, does he have to pour libation? Does he have to perform a ritual? Does he have to appease me? Well, no. Yes and no, because I try and get some leverage. I tell him, listen, how about you do your chores? Just tidy up a little bit, okay? Just... Because I don't like mess. And I shouldn't have to clean it up by myself. <laughs> so I trade a little bit. But on the whole, when he comes to me, he comes to me with what? Confidence. Why? Because he knows I'm his mother. He trusts me. It took us 11 years because we have to get to know each other for these 11 years. That's what we've been doing. So that's when I say, when you're coming to yourself, your inner person, you call it higher self, your spirit is inside of you. You simply have to say, hello. Acknowledge what's inside of you. 
and you have to get to know it. Now, bear in mind, it already knows you because it sees you and it knows how you respond. But you don't know it. You don't know its voice. So that's why I say spend some time getting to know your inner self, your higher self. That comes with quietness. Because if you're constantly in a, a state of fight or flight, when you go out the door, that's where it is. When you peruse Facebook, that's where it is. When you peruse Instagram, fight or flight kicks in because you're going to see something that triggers you, makes you angry. But if you spend some time in quietness, when the noise stops, you will hear your spirit because your spirit is always trying to get your attention. We call it a gut instinct. We call it intuition. You're going somewhere and all of a sudden you hear, take this turn. And you do it. And then all of a sudden you hear the road or the route you were going to take. Something happened on that. And you were like, good thing I listened to my intuition. Right? That is a practical thing that we can do on an individual level because that is what we all are. We are all individuals. To take you back to the Bible, the Tower of Babylon. Something interesting happened there. The scripture says God came down and confused them. Why? Because each individual had one goal. Every single individual had one goal. It wasn't, they were a collective, but they were all individuals with one goal. So in order, like your, your goal chain or your chain link fence, they're all individual links. It's not a whole thing. Even if you have a rope, they're all individual strands that are bound together. So we are all individuals. And I know we like to be all kumbaya and say we are one. No, my dears, we are all individuals and we can come together in one focus, in one goal. Believe me, I used to say we're one as well. I used to say that. I used to believe that until I observed and understood that for a collective to work, a collective is only as strong as what? Each individual within the collective. So that's why this work must be done on an individual basis. So if you're dealing with things, I know currently I'm dealing with, I'm just figuring this out, the fear of rejection, the fear of not being heard. Yes, I'm dealing with that. And every time it comes up, every time I catch it, because you must be diligent in catching it, every time you catch it, I know when I do, I say, wait a minute. 
because I, I struggle with the thing of, well, who's going to hear me? Who's going to hear what I have to say? And you know what I heard in my head? You. You hear what you have to say. When you encourage yourself, you become stronger. And so you can't tell yourself something you don't believe. My grandfather taught me that. He said, you can lie to anybody, but you can't lie to yourself. So that's why when I come up against a trigger that says, ain't nobody going to hear you. Nobody cares what you have to say. I always say, hmm, I hear what I have to say. I encourage me. Whether or not two people hear me, three people hear me, one person hears me. And that is me. I hear me. And I am encouraged to continue because I am an encouragement to myself. I'm that link in the chain. I must be strong if I'm going to do my part. So that's why I strongly encourage getting to know your inner voice. What does it sound like? What does it make you feel like? And it will never make you feel afraid. You know, you hear that scripture, test the word. Well, yeah, there's some validity to that. When you hear a voice in your head, if it says jump in front of a bus, what? Really? You're going to listen to that? That's what I mean when I say, if you spend some time in quiet, you will hear and you will begin to develop a relationship with your spirit, your inner voice, so that when it speaks and gives you guidance, you will know and you're stronger for it. right? And ask it, what can I do to be kind to myself? What can I do to be more compassionate to myself? That's what you can do as an individual. That's what we can do as individuals to start healing our own wounds. Because sometimes there won't be anyone to bring a balm to soothe you. One must soothe themselves right? Now, if you're interested, I definitely will gladly share via webinar or podcast some classes to help with things like finding triggers and recognizing them and understanding where certain beliefs come from and how to change them. I'm willing to do that simply by sharing what I do on a daily basis, right? I'm willing to do that. If you're interested, let me know. Now, as a collective, some things that we can do within our communities. We can start by creating within our communities because if we wait, we won't get started. If we keep waiting for somebody else to come along and change and make changes, we're going to be waiting for a long time like we've been waiting already, right? And Black Wall Street, they already did it. A hundred years ago, they'd been doing it. Right? So things like food. 
the ability to grow our own fresh produce and, and trade that food within the community so that no family goes hungry. That's something we can do. If we look at, we've got people who can do carpentry to build raised beds. We can do these things. We can research how to grow fresh produce in raised beds, like in small spaces, right? We can do that. Things like shelter. We have to be protected from the elements. But do we need mortgages? Well, many people coming together to build houses and Habitat for Humanity is one of those places. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We've got engineers. We've got carpenters, masons, bricklayers, architects, all within our communities who are currently underutilized. Right? For example, if you need to build a townhouse or a duplex complex, and it costs about $550,000. Well, hold a fundraiser. Well, here's how you do it. 550,000 people. That's $1 a person. Did you know, according to statistics, that in the black community, over a billion dollars goes to hair and hair care products alone? That's not a condemnation because I have natural hair and I buy hair care products to manage it. That is to tell you if we can spend a billion dollars on our hair coming together as a collective, there's nothing we can't do or accomplish. Right? But you know, you hear all these scams. People say, oh, somebody stole my money. Listen, that's not what we're about. If you're going to raise money to help your community, then you have to know that when you're helping your community, you're helping yourself. So if you steal from your community, you're stealing from yourself. And then you're no further ahead. You understand what I'm saying? How do we learn about money? How do we learn to manage money? Well, there are many, again, there are many financial advisors within our community that can teach us how to save, how to fundraise, how to, how to invest in the stock market. Black Wall Street did it. All those things we can do by coming together. Clothing. When I was growing up, I had a seamstress. Well, I thought everybody had a seamstress. Why, why wouldn't you want a seamstress? Everything was tailored to fit. Right? We have incredible seamstresses and tailors in our community. Look at how many, how many videos have I seen of these teenage girls making their prom dresses. That's what I mean when I say we have the capabilities within our communities that we can actually hit the ground running. Right? Things like health care. I went to school to, to study Chinese medicine. We've got chiropractors in our community. We've got acupuncturists in our communities. We've got naturopaths, osteopaths. We've got 
medical doctors in our communities. If we have those things in our community, why then do we have the highest amputee rate? Hmm? Because we're not utilizing what we have in our communities. We've got surgeons in our communities. Come on now. This is where if you have the skill, but you see what stops us. You see the environment that we live in that breeds competition. It says, oh, but I can't give away my services for free. I'm not going to make any money. I can't pay my bills. You see what stops us. The fear of us losing something stops us from helping our communities. We've got to overcome that fear. Because if we can spend a billion dollars on hair, we can help facilitate everybody's needs within our communities. Things like education. You, you ever had a teacher as a kid who just moved you because they just knew how to help you to understand? Well, we've got those in our community. We've got teachers in our community. We've got tutors in our community. Right? We've got all these things in our community. Businesses. We've got people who are so business savvy. Right? We're all a part of these communities. People say, oh, when you leave the ghetto, you got to go, you got to reach back and help everybody else. <sighs> yes. And no. That may seem slightly contradictory. But in this unprecedented time that we are living in right now. Do you know how long it's going to take for a vote and then to change a law? But it takes nothing right now other than a couple weeks for us to research online how to grow food. And for those of us who are in hot climates, if you are per se in Texas or California, then Drive some stuff in to other communities who may not have as long as long as a growing season as you. These are things we can do right now to help each other in our communities. That's what we can do. But in order for this to be successful, we have got to learn and understand how to utilize money. Because if reparations happen tomorrow and you get a million dollars, well, what are you going to do? Chances are that million dollars will be gone in a week, two weeks even. So what do we do? We learn how to master ourselves. We learn how to heal ourselves so that we go from a place of desperation where we look at these celebrities and go, oh, this person has this kind of car, this person has this kind of whatever, and you go out and you blow all your money. Right? We've got to learn how to take ourselves from fight or flight 
all the way to calm. Because when you're calm, you can recognize, oh, I need this and I need this. But I also need to invest in the future because I've got descendants coming up after me. I've got to make a way for them. We've got to learn how to utilize our resources within our communities so that we prevent harming the community in the long run. Right? Well, steps that we can take in accomplishing these things, confidence and belief in oneself and the community, we must encourage each other to develop our skills. It's not a competition. We're all unique individuals. And each of us has a beautiful thing to offer and contribute to the whole group. Without your role, the entire group is weakened. Right? Learning how to release old beliefs and habits that make us fearful. And be in a position to lead and govern ourselves. You see, we fall victim or prey to this thing that we need a savior. We need somebody to fight for us. We need somebody to help us. You've got to want to know that you can help yourself, right? Things like compassion and kindness for one another. We may not always like or get along with each other, but we're only as strong as the weakest person. It is in our best interest to uplift and edify each other because we grow and we learn from that. Things like respecting one another, taking ownership for our actions instead of trying to justify them. Removing the competition. Because honestly, competition only harbors resentment and jealousy. You know, to to name a few. And these feelings of resentment and jealousy can cause us to do silly things. You know? And truthfully, there really is no good or bad. I I, want to reiterate that. There's no good or bad. It's simply the environment where the organism is. The environment. That's, you know, how we say, oh, there's good bacteria and bad bacteria. No, my dears. There's simply bacteria. Because then you have to ask yourself, well, how does it know to be good or bad? It knows to be good or bad because it responds to the environment that it is in. Right? So, whew, this is long-winded. I hope I didn't lose you <laughs> somewhere in there. But maybe this will be the first of many podcasts. I don't know. I speak when I am moved to do so. And I was moved to do so. Since yesterday. But I had to lay out my thoughts. So that I could stay on track. And with that I say. Much love.